Hello and welcome to the I Am Necessary Podcast. As always, this is your host, Marcel. So, thank you for tuning in on this episode. Uh, I have a gentleman joining me, uh, for me, for us right now, it's this evening, who wrote a book, right? And when you hear, wrote a book, I don't know what comes to your mind. Your mind probably goes to whatever type of book you're into. But this is a book that I'll say is timeless and i think every first i was thinking do i say every man every woman i think every human being should pause and uh check this book out it's a easy read you know but it's a, a real read it's not fiction it's all fact and it's from one man's experience so before i get into the book i want to introduce you to the man himself and the man I speak of. First of all, the book is called, I think I said that, From the Heart of a Man, but the author is Mr. Brian Randall. What's up, Brian? Hey, how are you, man? It's Fantastic. good to be here. Yeah, I want to thank you for uh, allowing me on your podcast and be able to uh, spend time with you and spend time with your listeners. Should be interesting. Okay, so let's dive right into it because I always like my listeners to understand the person let alone the work. So yeah. when you understand the person, then the work will kind of make sense. So uh, I don't know, where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up in, uh, some of you guys might may have heard of Vallejo, California. And I grew up in a small community uh, called Country Club Crest. Yes. Shout, shout out to the Crest. Yeah, a lot of history to that place, you know, but uh, much simpler times then, you know, those were times where most of your time is spent outdoors, having fun, whether it's sports, whether it's just, uh, just hanging out with some of the guys out on the street, but cause we didn't have all this technology. Technology keeps us indoors, but then, you know, we get together with some of the guys in the community. We had a baseball park behind our house. So if we wanted to get a, baseball game together or a football game together or even basketball we had it all behind us that made for um, um a, a full day and the only time we went in the house when it was time to eat and go to bed good times <laughs> yeah and you know brian paints a nice picture of country club crest but to give you a little more insight back in the day country club crest was a, a community for a lot of black people you know, that's where a lot of black people live. And it was now we understand it was by de by design. But that's another podcast. But it was uh, only one way in and one way out at a certain time. So into this what now we call gated communities, this community just had one way in and one way out. And, you know, over time, things have changed. But it was um, I think it's safe to say when people say, oh, where were you raised? The school of hard knocks. Pretty safe to say that uh, that was a wing in that building, that classroom called the School of Hard Knocks. Come on, man. Uh, yeah. So take us a little bit deeper. So, um, you know, you had the park and all that stuff behind your house. So take us inside your house. Like, what was the dynamic in home, brothers, sisters, all that kind of thing? Yeah, I grew up with uh, 10 sisters and a brother. 
And, uh, you know, my father passed when I was six years old. So my mother was under the gun to take care of all these kids during the uh, 60s and the 70s and and uh, the early 80s. And the, the, the fun thing about it was you didn't need friends because everybody was just in the home for us. But one caveat my mother stressed was when you turn 18, you got to go because it was a lot of us. So turn 18, you got to go out and go make it, go find a life for yourself, whether it's uh, go find a job or, you know, get married or, you know, for the military for that matter. But you got to do something. So as I saw all of my sisters move in that manner, it was just natural for me to, 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 to fall in line with that too. But the latter part of my time at home was with my uh, older brother and the youngest sister. Anthony was the, the brother and the youngest sister was Sharon. And uh, growing up with that, they both wanted to be leaders. They both wanted to be head of the house. So I'm the youngest. So all I could do is look at this, this clash of the Titans, if you will, where mama left me in charge. No, I'm in charge. I'm the oldest. And, and I would see this going on. And, but it, it taught me a lesson, but at the same time, um, we, we had a family that was, that was not only big, but we were close and, and we were talented. Sharon was a singer. My, uh, my mother put together a, a family choir, if you will. So we were a house full of singers. So you can just imagine when, and we had a stereo downstairs, so you can imagine when um, um, we play some music down there somebody's going to start singing and musically, you know, that was my thing. You know, I really love to, I had to push myself into that, that family choir. And because I wanted to perform like they did, uh, it was a church choir, but um, I thought it was pretty um, uh, fun and something to, to get involved in, but it didn't feel like I was welcome, but I didn't care because I wanted to be a part of it. And that's just how my sisters were. They welcomed me, but they didn't let me know that I was welcome, you know, but that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. That's my family. You know, you get to know that family dynamic. Now you just push your way into, you know, getting involved. That's my family. And, and how would you say, how did that influence your writing? I wouldn't say that that influenced my writing more. So, well, I take that back. I, because of I belong to a singing family. It's it's natural to 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 want to sing and to try and perfect that craft. And perfecting the craft means singing other people's songs. And you get an idea by reading the lyrics of some of these songs, or you learn by root memory how the song goes and seeing how the words are written. And I thought it was pretty cool just to see how they were able to say what they were saying in, a, in such an abbreviated way, but yet the point came across. Mm -hmm. So, and, and not everybody can do that. And today I'm a writer, but it just took years for me to, to develop that, you know, because I think that the, the challenge for, for, for me was trying to be clear and, you know, to get to, to the one point of the book is us trying to be clear, being able to communicate, being able to say what we really feel without 
holding back. So I think that did affect my uh, ability to write, trying to be clear, trying to get my point across. And let me spin it a little deeper. So I don't know if I mentioned, but, uh, you know, From the Heart of a Man is a book of poems and expressions. So it's not a he dies in the end kind of book. But (laughs) (laughs) what I wanted to dig at is From the Heart of a Man, growing up in a house with so many women, right? What kind of insights? Because a lot of this, as you guys will, when you buy the book and you get into it, you'll see a lot of it is about love. It's about relationship. It's about all of that. So growing up with a house full of women, from my vantage point, I think it gave you insight on how women operate, right? So it validates some of the things that you write in the book about your relationship. You were in a training ground, especially being the youngest. Who knows what you saw coming through with a, with a house full of women how they interacted with men, with each other, their ability to communicate, the relationships that came and went. So I guess my question is, from a youngster's perspective, watching that, you know, while they were still in the house, did any of that influence your heart, man? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I I think what I saw was abbreviated um, because if my sister had a friend come over, a boyfriend come over, I really didn't get to know him. Uh, if if my brother brought uh, uh, a young lady over, I really didn't get to know her because I was young. I was too young to, you know, try to, you know, put some of what I was seeing together. So whatever I could uh, take away from who I saw with who, I had to just take that little bit and then, you know, formulate something over time because um, I was young. I was the youngest and my brother was three years older than I was. And so I I think a lot of uh, what I began to remember in terms of relationships was with him. It was with uh, some of the uh, ladies he would talk to on the phone. So I'm sitting down watching the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to on the phone. (laughs) Not a cell phone, not a flip phone. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot about a flip phone, <laughs> but uh, but it was the rotary phone, man. And uh, I would listen to him on the phone, not intently, because he'd look at me and said, "What you looking at, man? Don't you have something to do?" Because he didn't want me to hear what he's talking about. But he didn't realize that's what I needed to hear. He didn't realize that he's helping to form my my opinion on me. Uh, my opinion on uh, communicating with women. And so um, he was he was my first line of uh, understanding. It wasn't so my sisters uh, because uh, my sisters were older. And so their process of, of, of being around me was getting ready to move out the house to be on their own. Okay. And so I didn't uh, get much from them, but uh, the source of my understanding was my brother because he was closer in age to me. Uh, the the youngest sister, she was different. She was she was like uh, she was like the hard nose of the family. So to to really learn anything in terms of a relationship or how I should look at women or or, or how I should look at myself really came from my brother. So uh, in the book, I'd made a dedication to him 
talking about him and talking about how instrumental he was at that that time in my life <clears throat> because there wasn't a lot of communicating intention intentional uh, way of communicating with each other. Uh, we we were moving in our home, like many other homes, you know, what is it you need? What did you do? Did you wash? Did you clean? You got to go to school? Did you, you know, did you do this and did you do that? Uh, yeah, we're going to go over here and we're going to go over there. But some intentional communic conversations were, were, were rare. And even with my brother, you know, it, it was rare. But when he shared what he shared with me and when he did, uh, I'm trying to soak it all in and trying to understand it, you know, and uh, just because he's talking to me doesn't mean I, I get it, you know, so I had to take what he was saying and try to put it into my own perspective as a young dude. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a challenge when you don't see it exampled every time. You see what I mean? So to me, thing, and I think for our listeners too, if someone is imparting something to you, time spent has more value than quotes to tell me don't do something, but to show me why I shouldn't do something has a greater impact on my life and, and my upbringing and my growing up instead of, uh, you know, you just telling me, Hey, don't do this because I said it. Right. I learned a lot of that. You know? okay. All right. So now we got to know a little bit about the man in the background. Let's switch reels a little bit. We're taking this, the man, we're taking it from a professional career all the way up to the book. So let's go to career. Before uh, you open up about what your career has been, I want to pause and just have the listeners. I'm going to give you five seconds to try to guess what the majority of Brian's career has been before he tells you. Now, you heard the background and everything. So if you had to guess, like, oh, I wonder what a guy like that. What type of career would someone like that go into? Take five seconds to guess. Okay. Tell us about your career, Brian. <laughs> well, I was a baker for 50 years. Oh, no. <laughs> now, I've been a uh, deputy sheriff in uh, Sacramento County for 30 years. And uh, um, in that career, uh, you know, I was young very young and um, I was fortunate enough to get hired at a very young age and uh, I did corrections and 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 a lot of my growing up uh, uh, came from there being really being able to look at people not as uh, in uh, you know we can call them inmates or prisoners or whatever but to not look at them as pris prisoners or inmates but I enjoyed my job because I looked at everyone, I'll give everyone their respect, whether they are in jail or not. And, and if you do something that shows me that you don't want to be respected, then, you know, I'll, I'll treat you in that, in that fashion. So I, I looked at everybody, you know, as a person, because I believe we all are a decision away from ending up in a situation like that ourselves. But it 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 had a lot to do with 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 my writing style too, um, to to write from a place of 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 compassion. My mother was very compassionate, and uh, you know, love her dearly, and um, and I think I got a lot of my um, um, compassion from her 
You know, there there were times when I was younger, like this one guy stole my bike and discovered who did it. And I, you know, told my mom who did it. And so she and I walk over there and I'm, you know, looking at my bike and because I put some marks on it, you couldn't hide. And I wanted to just straight knock him out right there. And my mom told me, don't you do it. Don't you do it. <laughs> but, 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 and it was hard, but I loved her so much. I had to repress that, that desire, that anger that I had. And, and I'm glad I did because you're responsible for your actions. I'm responsible for my actions. So in law enforcement, I, I've learned, you know, patience. I've learned, you know, discipline. I've learned, uh, to look at people in, in, in a better way than they are. And so my outlook shows, uh, you know, in my writing and relationships is that, you know, you want to try to look at the, acknowledge the challenges, but but look at what brought me together with this person and why am I with this person and being able to communicate that. That is, uh, to me, the key of being in a relationship is being able to uh, share and 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 express yourself because a woman wants to know your heart and being in law enforcement we're called to take care of the situation we're called to make a cut and dry decision you know you're either going to do this or you're going to do this because we got to go home at the end of the day we have to make a decision and that can bleed into your relationships and relationships are not cut and dry relationships are in the gray area where in law enforcement, uh, much of our time is not in the gray area. But in the gray area at work is where we earn our money to decide whether or not we're going to put someone in jail or we're going to provide resources for them in hopes that they're going to make better decisions down the road. And, you know, and, and I enjoyed it. I really did. And, and I've learned that a lot of people want to be heard. And, and that's Another point that I've I've learned in in my maturing as a person and as a man in my job is to be able to listen. So these are the qualities I took home from my job, not necessarily um, treating my home like an extension of my work. No, you got to be able to separate that. Some of sometimes you can do that, but for the most part, if you can separate yourself from your job when you go home, it's best. Mm-hmm. Okay, so segue. We're going to segue a little bit into, because you talked a lot about how your career has taught you, you know, how to master, I won't say master, we, we try every day, relationships of all types. And I noticed that- a practicing husband. <laughs> <laughs> Some, someone had a, a big impact on- this book outside of yourself. And that person is a lot of your expressions are for lack of a better word, dedicated to that person. And that person is your wife. So last piece, before we actually talk about the book, tell us about that, your wife. So what, where did you guys meet? Uh, let's start with that. Where did you meet your wife? Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. I was uh, in, when I was in Sacramento going to school at Sac State, different environment and really couldn't find anyone I could could mm -hmm. date because the ones that I like had kids. I wasn't trying to have no kids, you know, <laughs> I'm 18, you know, 19, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so living in Vallejo, 
we, my family is a church going family. And uh, one day I went to visit my uh, sister's church uh, in Vallejo and that church is called uh, named Taylor's Chapel. So my nephew was uh, on the keyboards. And so I was there because they needed a drummer that day. And, you know, again, coming from a musical family, you know, it was easy for me to get on those drums because that was my thing. And uh, as I'm playing the drums, I didn't know it at the time, but there was a young lady in the back that took a liking uh, to me. So um, small world here. So I, I, I later discovered that the lady who was taking a liking to me, her uncle is was the pastor of that church. And uh, her uncle's wife, of course, was there also. And so Inga had asked her in-law, who was I while I was playing the drums? And her in-law knew my sister who was in the choir there. So she asked my sister, what is his name playing the drums? So my sister said, that's my brother. Brian. <laughs> so uh, after uh, the service was over, my sister comes up to me and says, hey, Brian, there's there's someone that that likes you. And I asked, who, who is it? Because I was single, ready to mingle, man. <laughs> <laughs> who is it? She said, oh, I, I can't tell you right now. I said, what? Why are you telling me this? And so I said, is she cute? And she said, well, she's nice. And to me, that's a red flag. <laughs> Somebody nice ain't met before. Mm -hmm. She was ugly. And, uh, no. I said, okay, no, I'm good. I'm good. So she gave me her number. She said, is it okay for her to call you? I said, yeah, she can call me. So she called me because she called me on a dare. And ever since that first conversation, we not only stayed in contact, but she's shown me that you know, she's, she's, she's a down young lady, boy. I mean, she, she, she's deep. And when I decided that this is the woman for me, uh, I decided because I felt that there was a need. I had a need for her. Um, and, and, and I think that is one of the important components in a lasting relationship. There has to be a need. I mean, if, if it's you and someone and you both have great jobs, great careers, and you're together because you're a, a team of sorts, well, at, at some point, uh, you know, a team thing could, could hit some rough road. But if you have a genuine need, then you're willing to look past some of these challenges that other couples would probably say, you know, you do that again, I'm out. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there was a need uh, that that we've had. And then secondly, there was some commonality. I mean, she uh, was a client at my sister's dental office. <laughs> so so wow. she she knew our family indirectly. So that there too was kind of like pay attention to the signs, man. When when the Lord puts somebody in your path, pay attention to the signs, you know. So and then after we were married, and and we both were young and we were going, you know, through our changes, but we we were we were growing together. 
and and I'm finding out about me and she's finding out about herself and we're discovering uh, ourselves in this relationship to see if this relationship is going to work. And so the second point to me is uh, God was our focal point. God is important in my life and God at that time was important in her life. So I think some of the common themes in a relationship that really carry a, a, a long lasting relationship has a lot to do with, with faith, and, faith in God because faith in God helps you to avoid saying things that you can't take back. It, it mitigates the chaos that could dwell in a relationship uh, from one, from the mouth of the spouse to the other, you know? And so uh, it, it really made a, a difference uh, with us. And so I've come to learn that if, if, if we're not getting along on, on a certain topic, we won't say nothing about it. We'll just leave it alone because when we're heated, uh, that's when things uh, can be said that, you know, you shouldn't say. And so we would just leave it alone. And then when we finally are able to get past that moment and then start to speak again, oh, how you doing? You know, uh, <laughs> did, you, did, you, did, did you want me to make you something? So we, we opened that communication again. Now we didn't, we didn't ignore it, but we just know, let's talk about it when we are of clear mind. That way we, we're talking about it as some grown people. You know, because we can be we can be childish in our ways, you know, just as as human beings. We can say some things we know good and well we shouldn't say, do things we know we shouldn't do. So my relationship with my wife ha has grown. And, and the two things that haven't changed that really has allowed us to remain married for 32 years is there's a genuine need. There's a genuine need for each other and and God being part of our life. So if, if I can impart any wisdom, uh, those are the two things that really are uh, important. And of course, communication, that goes without saying, because communication uh, really is part of what this book speaks to also, because for a man, we don't talk, you know, and we're, we're, we, we lie in the tension. Yeah, we don't of, talk with our words. Come on. When we yeah, if we if we say something, we're saying something from a, a manly point of view, a strong point of view, or I'll take care of it point of view. I got this point of view. You're the woman, I'm the man, and I got this point of view. Rather than what the woman is asking us is to reveal our heart. And if we love her, whether it's a girlfriend or your wife, she wants us to talk to show her we love her. And that's where our vulnerability uh, rests. If if you're willing to risk being vulnerable, you'll be together till you die. All right, all right. So let's just get right to it then. So from the heart of a man, let's start with what, you know, I know a little bit about writing. So two questions. Why that title? And how long did it take you to come up with the title? You know, when when you know you're on to something that's 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 right and 
I mean, I came up with it like that. It was a no brainer to me because the the topic was about the very point that I think most men uh, in relationship, we don't talk, we don't communicate. Uh, and so from the heart of a man is simply saying, I'm willing to risk my machismo to say things that I typically don't hear in my friendships. I typically mm -hmm. don't hear at work. I typically okay. don't. Hear. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk mm -hmm. like that. You know, we right, uh, right, right. tipping a beer, we're tipping a glass. <laughs> we're talking about sports. We're talking about manly things. But when you start trying to get emotional and stuff like that, they say, man, you okay? You okay, man? But that, that matters because if you want some good friends, your friends want to know if you're stable. Mm -hmm. That they can trust you and you're not going to take them through something that they got to go explain to they people. You know yeah. what I mean? So they're looking for some staple people. And this is part of it. But this is the, the least in conversation that we have with one another is this point. Yeah. So the heart of a man simply is uh, expressing the vulnerability and, and willing to the willingness to open up how you yeah. feel about that woman in your life. And, you know, you touched on a lot and in your expressions, you touch on a lot because when you talk about the man and how we communicate, you know, we're, we have a, a word limit, right? And women sometimes, how do I say this? Don't. <laughs> and I saw something the other day, you know, <laughs> just, just to put it in perspective, I saw something that uh, a guy was telling his wife, baby, you're the only person on this planet that I love, right? That's mic drop. And then the wife says, <laughs> what about the other planets? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that takes me that takes me back to my brother because I would see him with other women because uh, he was he was a player of sorts. He had a way with words. And so, uh, and let me take you to this, what that got me into actually writing when <clears throat> he's three years older than me. And so as a kid being curious about his older brother and seeing him do the things that I want to do when I get his age, when I'm sick at home and he's at school, I walk into his room. And just see, you know, what what is it about a, a guy three years older than me that yeah. he got his room that I don't have, you know? Uh -huh. And so and and so I saw some papers on his his dresser. Now it, it didn't look like schoolwork. So that's what drew my attention. <laughs> and so I'm looking at it, and at the and at that time, I didn't exactly know what I was reading, but it had some rhythm to it. It had like a rhyme to it. And I'm going, ah, oh. but then I heard something up front. And so I, <laughs> I, I left his room, <laughs> but I did it several more times. And um, I saw these, these poems that I later discovered were poems. And I said, the poems and the, and the, and the girlfriends he had, now I can piece that together. You got some good words and you sharing them <laughs> with the young lady. I get that. Okay. <laughs> I get that. And so that was the beginning 
of my journey. So I wanted to start uh, making that literary attempt to 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 reach at my age uh, some of the young ladies, uh, you know, in my community, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Tell us how you were inspired to write and the poems and brother. What inspires you to write this book? Well, uh, over the over the years, um, because of some of the poems that I saw my brother write, I started writing my ideas down. And as I aged, I continued to write. But I never threw them away. So some of the poems that I was able to finish, I just kept. And I would go back and maybe fix some. Now, at that age, 15, 16, you can, you, I, one could tell the, the, the use, youthfulness in my writing. And, but I never left it. So over the years, I would continue to write, continue to write. And in the book, you can see some poems that were not mature. And then you can read some that sounds like this one is real mature. So you're just mm -hmm. looking at different poems at different times in my life. But, but, but I, I think the bottom line to it is the poems were collected to, to try to get a point across, to try to get a point across of, of, of where a man's heart and head should be in a relationship. And um, when a woman reads this book, they should see the value and the strength that they bring to a relationship. And, and I'm going to carefully try to speak for many men, if, if not all, that what we say and what we write are different. And what I was trying to do is write how I felt that a guy would not say out loud. So this is important for us, this is necessary so as to get men into the, 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 the vein of don't be afraid to say what you feel, especially when you're with your girlfriend or your wife. Don't be afraid to say it just because you're a man and you got to handle everything. You still can handle everything, but your responsibility is to your right hand. Your responsibility is to your girl, your wife, and what she's after is your heart. So we live in a tension of being pulled by society telling us we're a man and we have to function and talk in these terms, but then you go home and then you have to be able to talk in these terms that that strengthen your relationship. And, and sometimes that clashes. So what this book does is it exposes the things that we should be saying early in our relationship and, and in the middle of our relationship and the the, the senior years of our relationship. The, this book is good for people who are in a relationship and also who's married because it it's reminiscent. For those who are married, it's reminiscent. And for those who are not married, it gives them an idea of their, what they're probably feeling, what they probably want to say, but don't know how to say it. And if they see someone saying how they feel, they say, well, I don't know how, but I'm going to use this line right here until I am comfortable enough to finish that sentence. You see what I mean? Right. 
Yeah, let yeah. me use this what this guy is saying because he's on the same vein that I'm on. I just am not used to talking like that to my girl. Yeah, and uh, it's great to have a tool uh, to use as an outlet for those who don't know how to communicate because what happens, I call it the soda can principle, right? So, you know, you feel some type of way, you don't express it. So the can has just been shook. Another event happens. You you still, you're clogged up. So the can is still shook and it's still shook. And I'm not just talking about in a relationship. I'm talking about in life, you go to work, you know, a man has to deal with a lot and people are shaking that can. And if you don't know how to communicate when you get home, you know, something that wasn't a problem, you know, your wife, hey, what's for dinner? I didn't cook. She just opened the can, right? <laughs> and that spill didn't belong to her. It didn't belong oh. to her because because you don't know how to communicate, the pressure was building and building and building and building. And then your wife says something she always says, but now you spill all over her. And when I learned to communicate, it's the best feeling ever to be able to communicate. It feels good because, and I guess it's a, a, physiolo a physiological thing because it's off of me now. And when I started, it was, I didn't know what to say, but I did say, you know what, I'm, I'm hurt right now. Let me get myself together. Or what you said confused me, right? I don't know how to dig into it, but let me give you the title and then I'll come back. Because that's all I want. Okay, so you're feeling confused. Let me give you your, you're feeling angry. Let me give you, when you don't communicate that, how is she supposed to know? Yes. <laughs> right? And yes. to your point, that's all she wants to know, right? Is that, okay, let me give you your space. I know you're angry. I don't know why we'll figure that out later. But when we don't even give the, the title of the feeling, right? We don't have to get into the details yet. That's what happens. And for those of you who still struggle with that, you got to take the offer up, right? When you read this book, you're going to learn something. You know, you're going to learn something. For those of you who think you mastered it, you're going to learn something because, you know, what you learned yesterday might not apply to today. So this book gives you a different way to say what you were trying to say or what you want to say or what you've been saying, but it hasn't worked. And you're like, man, but I said, try it a different way. You know, yes. know your know your target audience a little bit. Right. Um, I, I think that the, the book gives you wheels so that you can move into uh, those areas that you need to be, but because you are not sure how to meander into it, this book is a good resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. How long did it take you to finally put it all together? Um, with with, with uh, some in, improvements to the flow, it took about a year. Uh, I, I, I want to say just under a year because we were compiling all of the poems and we had to ask ourselves which ones belong in the book, mm -hmm. which ones uh, really is making the point that uh, I want to get across. So um, just under a year. And this is kind of a, I don't know if you even have an answer to this one, but let me formulate this question. Because the original question was, is there a favorite poem or expression? I'm going to switch it to when you were writing this book or having the selection process, what expression or two off top of mind was like, oh, this is a no brainer. This one goes in. 
this is one I would love for everybody to kind of. You know, uh, I think I think all of them are going to hit the same the same nerve because again, uh, when it comes to a guy and and what he wants to say but doesn't know how to say it, it's uh, it's I you know I need you. Mm -hmm. I need you says a lot. Man. I need you. Yeah. Or, you, want a woman to, you, <laughs> you want a woman to put her cape on? Say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but this is real talk. To talk like that. This one says, I, why I need you. In a world ever changing and among all those who lie, cheat, and steal, I have you in all that I do. And the way I perceive this world, my world, I stand even because you tell the good of an imperfect world. You open to me the sensitive side of life when my world reveals the coldness of life. When I'm negative, you're positive. You're like a magnet, we come together. When I'm down, you raise me up and turn my head around. There's still much we have to share. Stay with me and I will share it all with you. This is why I need you. My girl. Oh, I mean, and that is not to be destroying nobody's book, but on Valentine's Day or something like that, rip that page out, stick it in the envelope. <laughs> so here you go, baby. I love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Screw yeah. Hallmark. I'm gonna go yeah. every every occasion you're gonna get a page of this book in a little envelope. Yeah. Um was this book, this is what I want people to really pay attention to. Was this book free? Free to make, free to get published, <laughs> free to compile. Was anything about this book free? Uh, no, uh, right. Uh, I think the good thing about this book is we knew what, uh, we wanted in this book. I knew what I wanted in this book and it was just a matter of, uh, compiling it together and making it flow. And so what we did was to self publish the book. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's a publisher that we went through. Uh, I, I guess I can give them a plug and we sent everything to them and, the images, to my surprise, we all were able to uh, make on our iPhone. Wow. Yes. The front of the book, iPhone. The back of the book, iPhone. There was a software for some of the pictures in the book. And yes, there are pictures in this book because a lot of people don't like to read a lot of pages. <laughs> so we put some pictures in there. <laughs> We have illustrations. So feel free to uh, purchase the book knowing that it's not all literary. We got some pictures in there too. And some good ones too. And uh, the software really gave us uh, some flexibility in terms of how we want the, the uh, it's, it's, it's an, an etch style of, uh, uh, of photos. It's not the, the black and white or the colored. So um, uh, we were fortunate enough to find a, a company that would just press it all together and send us the uh, the the final printing before it goes into pressing. And once we were happy with what we had, then we would have went ahead and uh, and the and the cost uh, had more to do with how many you you want to publish. But uh, the book 
has been doing very well. Um, um, we are up to close to 400 books, approaching 400 books. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy. You know, I didn't know what to expect, truthfully. Mm-hmm. And I was getting uh, some calls. And then I found this one uh, friend of mine who bought like 20 books and was going to make it a part of a uh, gift basket. I said, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So um, things like that really helped move the book. But I've been getting a lot of good feedback on this book. When I read it, I don't see it like a new person. New eyes read it. I look at it and go, uh. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But everybody yeah. else going, oh, wow, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it is. Cool. Yeah. yeah, and the one you like, man, this is killer. That's what <laughs> nobody likes. <right? laughs> <laughs> so true, man. So yeah, true. That's so, the beauty of it, though. That's yeah. So beauty. this this has been a uh, um, a journey, not only for me but for my wife too, and uh, I'm really glad that we are able to put something out there that people can identify with because the intention was to put something together that we all identify with. I'm I'm no different than you, Marcel, or your friends or, you know, my friends. I'm saying the things that they either have yet to go through or are going through now or their kids are about to go through. I'm no different. I'm not sharing things that are, you know, on another planet. We all go through this, but it's a matter of trying to, uh, uh, let other men know that you know it's okay to to be vulnerable. It's okay to say some things that what you would consider soft. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay because you're still a man no matter what you say. But what you're saying it is with intention. That the most important person in your life, you're letting them know that you know every every breath you take. Something good is coming out of that breath that builds and strengthens that relationship until the day I die. Okay. And where can we find this book? Uh, you can, um, I'm working on Amazon and um, other smaller um, um, audio book uh, sites. We're not on there yet. Uh, we are planning uh, some book signings and once we complete those book signings, then we're going to uh, jump on the uh, the Amazon platform because we just want to get uh, we want to raise awareness to the book, mm-hmm. and and I felt that that was a a wiser move than just putting it on Amazon and no one knows I got a book out. Right. Yeah, let's, let's let's hit the community, let everybody know that you know what I'm doing, and so if they like it, then they can refer other people to the book on these sites. So right now, once we get the book signings done, then we're going to uh, uh, populate Amazon and uh, hopefully take uh, uh, the book to uh national level. Okay. All right. So right now it's kind of a waiting list or, you know, if somebody wanted to get it tomorrow, uh, if they they go about yeah, it? If what they can do is they can email me at, uh, R-N-D-L-B-R-N at yahoo.com with your request. And um, you just put your your P.O. box or your address and I'll mail it to you and you just cash at me. Uh, The book is uh, 20 if uh, by hand and 25 if I have to mail it to you because of postage and handling. 
Okay. So if you're yeah. local, it's 20 bucks. <laughs> if you're not, it's 25 for postage and handling. And um, and I just hope that uh, everybody is able to get something good out of the book. And I just hope that I've been able to, to share uh, enough to show your listeners that um, if not the book, then your personal uh, effort to invite intentionality into your relationship. Don't be afraid to stumble across your words if you're sincere in what you're trying to say. And if you're not sure, go ahead and buy this book. It'll get you started. <laughs> Start a kit. All right. <laughs> so the so the man is Brian Randall. The book is From the Heart of a Man, Poems and Expressions. Uh, I am Marcel. This is the I Am Necessary podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in. If you made it wrong, make it right. Be needed. Be necessary. And I'm out. 